The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Anyway, welcome to the program. As I said, we're going to be talking about the crystal skulls tonight. Joshua Shapiro will be our guest. He is a crystal skull explorer. He's also written a book about uh, the topic, and um, he's been doing this since about 1983. So he's got a lot of experience, a lot of thoughts, and he's going to share a lot of information and insight with us during our discussion tonight. And we'll bring him on. His website, by the way, is cse.crystalskullexplorers.com. CSE as in Crystal Skull Explorers. So cse.crystalskullexplorers.com. And I have to be honest, I don't know a whole lot about any of this. This is going to be, I think, one of the first conversations we've had on this show about... uh, this particular topic, and I'm excited about it. And Joshua's book, by the way, is Journeys of the Crystal Skull Explorers. And he's also uh, a co-author on a book called Mysteries of the Crystal Skulls Revealed. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash johaw. That's J-O-H-A-W. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for joining us tonight. We've got a great conversation on tap for tonight. Joshua Shapiro is a crystal skull explorer. We're going to be talking about the crystal skulls. He's been involved with them since 1983 when he saw one made out of amethyst in Northern California. And he felt such a strong connection with this artifact that he's devoted his life and resources to sharing the best information he can about them. Joshua, welcome to Beyond Reality. It's a real honor to have you with us tonight. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much. So I kind of gave the nutshell version of how all this began for you, but maybe you can uh, fill in some of the details. How did this start? Okay, well, in 1983, I was kind of traveling through California on faith, and I had met the owner of a a New Age metaphysical bookstore uh, before, and... um, I went to visit her store in April of 1983 to see if she was going to carry some more copies of the first book that I wrote called Journeys of an Ukraine Age Networker. And when I went into the store and started talking with her and everything, during our conversation, she produced for me a picture of the amethyst crystal skull, which you had described in the beginning. And this was, uh, I had heard about crystal skulls before, because I had seen um, Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World, which has like a crystal skull at the beginning of it, the Mitchell Hedges skull. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I had never personally seen up to that point one. But what was very strange is as I was looking at the picture, I felt like I was having an inner earthquake. I was like vibrating inside very, very quickly. And uh, I didn't understand what was going on. And then about a half an hour later, as we continued talking with the picture sitting on the table, there was an actual earthquake in California because I was in San Jose, and I think this was in Colingas, California, about 150 miles south. And then all of a sudden the picture was vibrating. So I call this my inner outer earthquake experience. Now, for most people who 
follow a spiritual path, there usually is some, you know, very interesting or unusual experience they have, which kind of begins their journey. And so this was capturing my attention. And then after, somewhere, sometime after all of this, before I had left, I was kind of just like looking at the picture, and I, I heard a voice inside of myself. This is kind of what I call my thinking voice, just like when I read a book, I hear the words, or I can't understand what I'm reading. And I got this message through the picture that said, uh, now, that, now that you know, you know that the crystal skulls are here, we're returning, and our purpose is to, to help humanity to create peace. I mean, with the energy and the sacred knowledge that we have in, encoded inside of ourselves, so, Joshua, now that you know, what are you going to do about it? So I call that like day one of being a crystal skull explorer. And I just felt, after I was gifted a picture of this skull, that I should share that with people, give people an opportunity to be familiar with this skull. Now, I didn't know at that point that about two to three weeks later, I would actually have an opportunity to see the skull in person. So, in other words, I'm already having a strong reaction just to the picture of it. Now I'm going to have a chance to meet it in person. So I was kind of excited, but I didn't know what would be happening to me. So when uh, we got to this art gallery, it was stored in a vault in an art gallery. And my understanding is there was a group of Hispanic uh, individuals who were like the, the guardians of the skull. And at this point, they were trying to sell it. And the reason that there was this meeting going on is there was purportedly this young man who said he was wealthy. He wanted to see the skull to see if he might want to buy it. So... I was invited to go, and when he, and they brought it out from uh, the vault, took it out of a box, put it on the table in front of us, and then it came my turn, and I was allowed to touch it. So I touched it with my right hand on the top part of its head, and again, I felt a very strong like energy or vibration move from my hand, my right hand, which was touching it all the way up into uh, my shoulder. And then ever since that time, in my mind's eye, I always see that skull, the essence of the skull floating over my right shoulder. So that was kind of my first experience with it. So as I continued to travel as an Aquarian Age networker, sharing information about all kinds of spiritual topics like UFOs and uh, the New Age, I would, I would mention about my experience and show people this picture. But then eventually, a couple years later, I met the co-authors of my first book, Nasserino and Bowen, and so I participated with them, and Mystery of the Crystal Skulls Revealed became the first book we offered. And after that, then I was pretty much hooked and just kept seeing more and more crystal skulls and eventually got to do some research. And at this point now, after over 37 years of doing this, uh, I think I have a pretty good idea what they're all about. I that, that first experience is quite fascinating to me. You were looking at a picture of this, yet you had a very real and very physical response to it, and then you then you uh, heard messages, you heard voices. I mean, that is something rather unique. What were you thinking at the time? Well, I don't know. It just, you know, uh, for me, I just accept whatever experiences I have. Uh -huh. I mean, I was traveling on faith at that point, so I mean... All I had was my my intuition and my discernment and whatever my inner guidance or whatever this voice was telling me to do to survive at this time. So at that point in my life, uh, even though it was a very unusual experience, you know, it didn't phase me. I guess being an Aries, I always like to have new experiences, and 
especially, you know, I feel right now after all this time of, you know, not only being involved with crystal skulls, but UFOs, the paranormal, um, having my own personal experiences, which, you know, so many after that time, this is, to me, normal. So I, I just felt like, well, I was very honored that I had the chance to see the crystal skull, and I'm very honored that I had an opportunity to have a picture so that people could, through the picture, maybe feel the energy of this artifact. And, um, you know, I'm very happy for it because basically that was what guided me into what, you know, I've pretty much been focused on for most of my life. What's the difference between someone who might look at those, look at the picture or the skulls themselves and not have that response, not have that physical and very visceral response, as opposed to you who had this experience? Is it, do you feel as though you have a certain sensitivity that opened you up to this energy and the effect of the skulls, or is there something else at play? I think for myself <clears throat> what it is is that this is an old friend. And what I mean by that is, for people who study the paranormal, I think most of us realize that, you know, the true essence of who we are is a soul, an energy being. And that we've had many different lifetimes, whether here on Earth or in other worlds or in other dimensions. And so, after all these years, I, I believe that it was just what I would call an activating experience of, of soul memory, remembering that in other lifetimes, like especially in Atlantis and being a priest in Atlantis and possibly in Lemuria and other times too, perhaps Mayan times, Peruvian, that my soul just knows these skulls. So it was just, that was my time to become awakened to it. And as I talk to other people who've had their own experiences, you know, totally different experiences than my own, having communication with their crystal skulls as well, um, you know, I believe that for me it, it was just, um, you know, past life. And that uh, on some level, maybe even before I was born, I just knew that crystal skulls would be a key tool, if you will, to awaken humanity to uh, our higher divinity. And I had worked with them before, and, and I also think there was a lifetime where I made a promise that I would do everything I could. Because you have to understand... We're talking about a piece of crystal that looks like a human bone skull. And for most people, looking at a human bone skull, it represents death, doom, and evil. Right. And does it mean that only that part of our body is evil? I don't think so. So there must be a significance to the shape of the skull and putting it into crystal, and that it can have all this energy and information encoded in it. So You mentioned hearing a voice. And uh, I don't remember exactly what you said it said to you, but something along the effects is that now that you know, um, where do you think that voice was coming from? You probably know now where it was coming from. Well, what I believe is that any, <coughs> excuse me, any facsimile of a act, what I would call an activated crystal skull, because I believe these crystal skulls have a living consciousness inside of them, any facsimile of it, and especially if it's one that you have an affinity for or connection with, um, the intelligence that works through the crystal skull can communicate through that facsimile. So even though the picture of the skull, I was hearing the voice, even when I, when I look at, at the crystal skulls, my, my mind's eye, I can still hear it talking to me. And it's not just that skull. I mean, like my personal skull, Portal de Luz, 
which has been featured on some of the books that I've written within the last couple of years, a smoky quartz crystal skull, a modern one made by a Brazilian carver. You know, that one also talks to me quite frequently. And the way that I know that I'm hearing it is because the thoughts that are coming into my, my mind that I'm, I'm hearing, I'm not thinking that it's just appearing out of nowhere. So you could for, call it a form of telepathy, because really, when you do a study of spirits, if you look at, you know, like uh, studying mediums and people who are channeling spirits, there's a telepathic communication that's going on. And in telepathy, it's a universal language. So, you know, it's not a question of I'm speaking English. I'm going to hear the thoughts or the intelligence through the skull speaking to me in the language that I know, because it's thoughts. Right. So if someone... So I think it's a telepathy. If someone uh, was completely unfamiliar with what we're talking about here and said, what are the crystal skulls? How would you define them for that person? Well, um, first of all, I would say it's some kind of uh, mineral or gemstone that's put into the shape of a, of a face. I have to use the word face because not all of the uh, skulls, the crystal skulls, look human-like. Some of them could be alien-like. Uh, I've seen skulls that look like uh, different type of animals. I've seen skulls that are just a face, but it's not a human face, stylized. Originally, when they first were noted, which would be in the later part of the 1800s, they were made out of quartz crystals. But then as people started to become very interested in them, I would say in the late 1980s, uh, various modern carvers started you know, seeing, oh, the, there's a demand for this, so we could make some crystal skulls, and then they started to use other gemstones and other materials. So we basically have within the crystal skull community a definition of four different types of these crystal skulls. The first type uh, would be the modern ones, which modern carvers are making, and a lot of them are using diamond-tipped tools, like quartz crystal is quite a hard substance, but I've watched a carver do like minor surgery on uh, the personal one, Portal de Luz, Portal of Light, the smoky quartz one I was mentioning earlier, uh, where his tools cut through the quartz like butter, literally. Um, and then we have what are called old crystal skulls, which would be ones made over 100 years, and depending upon which type of researcher you're talking about, could be up to about 2,000 years ago. And we have the ancient, or I call it very old skulls. It could be anywhere from 2,000 to 5,000, 10,000, 100,000, a million. We don't really know. Uh, the challenge with um, being able to date uh, these, these uh, crystal skulls is they're made from stones, and there's no way, like carbon-14 dating is usually used to date objects from an ancient ruin but it has to be an organic substance, so carbon has decayed over time, but obviously minerals don't. Uh, and the last category of crystal skulls are called aborted crystal skulls, which for people who study the paranormal, they know that there have been various mediums who have sat in seances <coughs> where either through their body or just literally coming from out of the air and falling down like on the table they're sitting at, objects just mysteriously appear from nowhere. So there have been some crystal skulls that have showed up in that way as well. 
So that's basically what I would def define as, as a crystal skull. So for most people, they would look at it and say, ah, it's just a stone. What's the significance? Why is it special? I mean, there was even a research we did with a group in Belgium with a device called the Lekier Antenna, which is like a dowsing rod with numbers on the side, where it will flip when it measures a specific frequency of energy, which the practitioners know. So the teacher looked at Portal de Luz before the, the students, his students started to see what energies is Portal de Luz emanating and said that very statement, it's just a stone, we're wasting our time. And then Portal de Luz went ahead and emanated the frequencies, as unbelievable as this may sound, they did it three times, of the five human senses were coming off of that crystal skull. Wow. So there's many stories like this. So, I mean, the key to understand is not everyone is going to have an affinity with crystal skulls. Some people have a very, uh, you know, adverse effect around it, and it could possibly be because we think that Mesoamerican people uh, in the later days, uh, their priests would use crystal skulls and human sacrifices and such, and especially a quartz skull, what it does is it records the frequencies of energy within it of everything that goes on around it. And so when I went to Mexico and attended a crystal skull conference there, there were people coming out of the woodwork bringing skulls I had never seen before or heard about. And there were a few that were like that that had a very, very um, kind of hideous dark energy, and I actually got sick. Normally I, I hardly ever get sick and almost never with crystal skulls. But there was one or two that seemed to affect me very profoundly, and I had to relent as an Aries, humble myself to allow local healers to help me uh, to deal with those energies. So um, because of the negative aspect of the crystal skulls, there are people who doubt what I'm talking about, that this can have the effect, that it really works this way. So they do everything in their power to totally discredit this. Um, because all they have to do is say, well, there's one skull and it has such a bad effect, so we shouldn't pay any attention to any of them, regardless whether these, there's these people out there who've had tremendous healing and totally cured of things around crystal skulls. That doesn't count. If, it, if there's one that has a negative effect, we can totally discount them all. How do they come into existence, Joshua? You mentioned modern carvers. Can anybody just decide to create one of these crystal skulls if they have the right materials? No, because it's like anything else. Like, for example, I talked to a professional musician who can play, you know, some of the world's most favorite, favorite music, yet she was unable to write her own music, and that's a gift that I have. I can come up with musical songs on the piano or the guitar, so carving a crystal skull or making a crystal skull, it takes a person who has a, sp a specific talent to do it. So I don't think just anybody can do it. I mean, the carvers that I've made, uh, that I've met, I mean, um, they're all very gifted and very special, So, and they each have their own way of, of making it. Um, so, and like I said, diamond tip tools is the, the tool of choice, diamond tip saws and and such, and those are very expensive. So it's it really it's going to take somebody who's very dedicated to doing this and loves this, or comes from a family of carvers that has secret techniques they pass down from generation to generation. 
so is it just the nature of the the material that it's made out of and the shape that it takes, which is the form of uh, a face of some kind? As you said, it might be alien. It might not be human uh, per se. Is it, is it a combination of those two things that give it the properties that you're talking about? Well, I, I believe that there is a higher consciousness that decided the form of our body, well, really of many galactic races, a humanoid form is the most effective for the soul to work through. So part of the creation of that would be the shape of the skull. And I think the shape of the skull was created because it uh, allows us to receive cosmic knowledge and information. It's like a pyramid. You go a third of the way down in a pyramid and it rejuvenates metal and has special energies. Um, so I think it, it's the shape, but also the material. And I think quartz in particular is very important because quartz is a transmitter and receiver of a multitude of vibrational frequencies. And I think it uh, allows it to have a, um, a some consciousness. I, that's the only word I can use, consciousness, which is an intelligence that's able to work through these skulls uh, with the frequencies of energy, with the information, because a lot of people, including myself, when we work with the skulls, it feels like it's a person that we're working with. You know, they, they give a name, like Portal de Luz is the name of the one skull I'm mentioning, and that's the name that I heard to call it. And Portal of Light, to me, represents a, an entry point into our reality through the crystal skull of... Um, an intelligence that has sacred and spiritual knowledge to share with us, as well as special frequencies of energy. How many of these skulls are in existence that you're aware of? Thousands. <laughs> you know, in the beginning when I first started, there weren't that many. Right. But, but once modern carvers start making them, you go on eBay and you'll see thousands of them. I mean, I've been at, at crystal skull conferences where... Somebody will come who works with some kind of a carver, and they'll have hundreds of skulls sitting on their table. So, you know, there I don't know how many there are anymore. Um, you know, we used to think there were just a few, but now yeah. it's like, you know, we have crystal skull, uh, a crystal skull craze going on, and so many carvers are making them. I mean, there were carvers in China that I was in touch with who, actually carved uh, one of the skulls we have, which is very human-like, has a movable jaw. Um, and they, you know, you go on their website, and there's thousands and thousands of skulls. So I have no idea how many the number are. Uh, of course, you know, these are modern ones being made, but as far as the older ones, um, you know, there's a, a few known, but they just keep finding more and more. Like every year I will get contacted by someone who is in a family that had crystal skulls, and the grandfather died, the grandmother died, and, you know, the younger people are, are talking and say, hey, I inherited this, and it got passed down. Uh, in Mexico, they talk about uh, so many crystal skulls are coming out of the ground from there, so I assume that if they did work with these Mesoamerican people, that uh, they were burying them in the ground to protect them, and they just kicked the ground, and crystal skulls are coming out. So... Uh, it's something that I have no doubt many, many cultures over thousands of years have been involved in this, and now it's, you know, coming out to the 
attention of people, and people are very excited and interested in them, and and especially they want to have one of their own so they can have their own experiences. You said there's a crystal skull craze uh, to describe the fact that a lot of modern carvers are making these now. Uh, is that a good thing? Does that help increase their effectiveness and the energy that they uh, they put into the world? Well, what I think is the ultimate purpose of the crystal skull is it's a catalyst to awaken the higher consciousness within the people that they work with, to bring out their spiritual gifts, their creative gifts, to help people have more insight into who they truly are, what may be their purpose, or for many spiritual people or light workers, as we call them, their mission in life. So yes, I see it as as a very positive uh, tool that uh, has helped many, many people. I mean, I've seen people's response to our own personal skulls. We have about 30, uh, all kinds of things that have gone on. And, and of course, many people find me and then they contact me and they tell me their stories and uh, very profound experiences that have happened to them. So I believe that when this amethyst skull, which, by the way, is known as a me, uh, when I first met it and it gave me that message, it was, you know, kind of saying, hey, uh, we used to be uh, involved with humanity and help humanity, and then we were hidden, and now we're coming back because you're in a great uh, time of need, a great challenge. And certainly I think most people can see that as the pandemic, what's going on, yeah. how everything has shifted and I know that our world is never going to be the same again after what's been going on here in 2020. Yeah. So certainly a tool that has sacred knowledge encoded it in and special healing frequencies, that would be something that would really help all of humanity. How far back, I don't know how to ask this to have it make sense, uh, I guess um, in, in discovering the older crystal skulls do you know how what their origin is how far back they go what the earliest creation of these crystal skulls is um i'm not sure if anybody truly understands the origin i know that there's a lot of different theories and legends or you could just say well joshua after you've been involved with 37 years what do you think is going on with this and where did they originate and so on so it depends which way you want me to go. Well, sure. I mean, if, if we don't have hard facts on this, then I'll take your opinion for sure. Okay. So I, I think that my uh, conclusion after working with them for all these years, I think it's pretty clear. So I would say that um, two possible origins would be, I don't call it extraterrestrial, I call it galactic that it was a gift of the gods, as the Mesoamerican people talk about, gift from the galactics, more spiritually evolved, uh, given to humanity as a tool to awaken consciousness. And also, like I said, I have memories, soul memories, that crystal skulls existed in very advanced civilizations on the Earth in the past, if you believe in that. So I see them in the temples of Atlantis. I see them working with the Lemurians. Um, so I think that um, one of these two possibilities is where, you know, we could say origins from, gifts from the gods, or advanced civilizations have them, or a combination of both. Um, I do not think that what 
I called ancient or very old skulls, that they were made by any method modern carvers are making them now. I think there were very advanced techniques that made them uh, by these more advanced beings, possibly lasers, possibly um, projections through the mind of very powerful priests who created uh, the physical form of the object, or possibly turning the skull of a very wise and loved individual, because uh, the the bone, uh, the the, bo- the bone in the skull is going to retain, and and there are indigenous cultures who believe this, the essence of who that person was. So if you have a gift to link into the vibrational frequency of the bone, you can pick up the the knowledge and information and essence of the person. So I think the same thing is true with the skulls. So that would be, you know, what I think would probably be uh, a good bet about where they came from. To, To look at them as a gift to humanity to help us in our spiritual evolution. Because, you know, this was the the message that Ami gave me in the beginning. We're going to help humanity to create peace. Well, the only way to have peace is humanity must embrace their full totality of being, which includes both our physical uh, aspect and our spiritual aspect. I mean, like, for example, my gift is I'm sensitive to energy. So when I went to the hospital after my mother had died, and I'm looking at the husk of the body, the essence of my mother was gone. She was not there. Um, she had left the, the body. And they actually have noticed, I think, they did a test where they would weigh a person. Yep. And at the moment of death, the person loses a little bit of weight. Yep. So, you know, I don't know if that gives proof or not for the essence of the spirit or soul, but I know that, you know, uh, there is these two components to who we are. So I think that, you know, the crystal skulls are helping us to get more in touch with the spiritual aspect of ourselves. And that is, I think, you know, what's coming up for so many people. They're starting to have experiences now and understand that there is much more to reality. I mean, just like your show, Beyond Reality, uh, there's much more to reality than just the physical existence and what our physical senses tell us. It's like, you know, we can't hear radio uh, waves or television waves, but yet if we turn on the devices, there it is, so we know that it exists. So there's many other frequencies uh, that exist. They've actually had, I think, um, certain, I was told this by a friend who had a crystal skull. Her father, I think, worked for, you know, like NBC, ABC, CBS, only when they had radio before they came out with television. And she told me that her father told her there were certain um, stations, certain uh, frequencies of radio that were not allowed to be put into radio devices because they were hearing people talking, but they didn't know where it was coming from. Really? So I think the skulls is just one of many tools that helps us to get in touch with the, the spiritual essence of who we are. What about the names? Uh, do the names come from the carver, or do the skulls name themselves? You uh, told a story very clearly that when you first came in contact with that first Skull, it told you its name is Ami. Well, actually, I didn't receive that name, and that name did not come up until we were invited to do some research with that crystal skull. Okay. And one of the owners uh, was talking to my co-author, Sandra Bowen. I had to go back to Chicago because we were doing this work in California. And 
he had received the name of Ami, which meant friend. And so uh, what I've heard from many, I call them guardians, not owners, of these skulls, is that, you know, they look at it and all of a sudden they just know what the name is or they hear what the name is. And it's as if, again, this is the only way I can explain it, that there's a consciousness working through the skull. And I think that they understand here in humanity we like names of things so we can understand it. Um, and so they just give a name, and the name has something to do with the the energy that the skull has and how it's going to affect and help other people and how it's going to, how you work with it and how you use it. So I'm not the only one that's heard names from the skulls. Many other people have as well. And some people sometimes they hear nothing and they don't get a name for a year or two years. And then all of a sudden they get a name. So it just comes in different ways. Whatever gift the person is using is usually how the name will come. And, you know, one name that caught my eye, because you mentioned a couple on your website, is the Mitchell Hedges Crystal Skull of Love. Uh-huh. That's a little different than the name Ami. Um, so they can be named anything, apparently. Yes. Well, the the Mitchell Hedges Crystal Skull, of course, was named after uh, the individual who led the expedition that founded F.A. Mitchell Hedges, which when he died, that went to his daughter, Anna Mitchell Hedges. So they just would call it the Mitchell Hedges Crystal Skull. Right. But then the, when Anna Mitchell Hedges died, uh, the man that she uh, gave it to, they were in, uh, she was living with him. He was supporting her at the end of her life. Uh, Bill Holman, he decided to call it the Mitchell Hedges Crystal Skull of Love because, you know, he's sleeping with it, he's around it, and he was just feeling this very, you know, peaceful, loving energy with the skull, which I can attest to you because I've been in the presence of that one several times. Um, so, you know, it just depends upon the guardian what they, how they wish to call, call the skulls. Some have very funny names. Some have names that sound almost like their galactic or extraterrestrial name. So each person is inspired in their own way to come up with this name. When you first started to it, uh, research these skulls, uh, you, you had the experience where you saw the picture, you had a very visceral and immediate physical response. You immediately sought out to see this uh, skull in person. Um, but then there's a few steps involved from that point to actually dedicating your life to it. And, uh, I mean, how did you start that process? If if I decided today I wanted to research things, I, I don't think I'd know how to do it, particularly in 1983 when there was no Internet to help you find answers. Um, well, it's just an it's an ongoing process. It's like anything else. You just start building on top of it. Uh, one experience upon another, talking to another person, um, traveling all over the world. I mean, you know, when I think back from 1983 to now, you know, there's a lot that I've accomplished. But when you're going through it, it doesn't seem to be that much right. at the moment. Right. So, and... I have the Captain Kirk mentality, I guess, because I'm Aries. When I find something that I think could be very important for people to know about it and understanding to have that could help us to create a peaceful world, then, you know, I don't know any other way other than pour 100% of myself into it or not. So, 
you know, first it's a mystery, a curiosity. I got to find out what this is. Why did I have this experience? I I can't live where I would have like the experience I told you about in the beginning and not understand what was that? Why did why did that happen? And then I hear from other people that they have experiences. So it's just my nature. And it's not just with crystal skulls, many areas in the paranormal, different world mysteries. It's the same approach. It's it's all or nothing for me. And if it's something that I believe in, then, you know, I give all. Like most recently, you know, as we were pretty much all being locked down, and I believe that I have a lot of spiritual guides, I just thought to myself and out to them, I said, I'm sitting here doing nothing, so, you know, find something for me to do. And all of a sudden I got on coast to coast and now I'm doing like three or four radio shows every every month. So it's kind of, um, you know, a way for me to share this information with people. And I also come from the point of view that, you know, it's not my job to convince people, you know, that these things are happening around the crystal skulls. I'm just pointing them in a direction and saying, you know, if it was just me, well, then maybe it's just, you know, I have this connection. But when I hear from so many other people that they're also having experiences too, then obviously there has to be something to it. It's the same like in, look at the UFOs. How many years has the government said, no, they don't exist, they're not real, it's fantasy, these people are insane and they're crazy? Well, right now they're starting to release some things you know, on the level of government, and there's all these people that were involved in black projects, you know, we call whistleblowers that are coming out, and so many people are having their own experience, so, you know, everybody has to decide for themselves, you know, what they think about all of this kind of stuff. If you um, had somebody in a room, uh, you mentioned healing properties, you mentioned a lot of different uh, effects that these skulls can have on people. If you had somebody in a room that wasn't aware that that skull was there, and maybe it was an illness or something, uh, would that person feel the effect of the skull without knowing it's there? Um, I don't know if we could say they will or not, because what a person believes, it filters the energy around them. Right. So, like, for example, I can recall when we were in Boston, I finally got a chance to experience table tipping, where there was uh, something intelligent that was moving this table. Um, there was a woman who couldn't stand to look at the face of the skull. And um, so we couldn't do anything with her. So I said, how about if I do this? What if I turn in where you're looking at the back of the head and not seeing a face? And then I let you hold it and let's see what happens. And she got a healing and said, oh, that was such a wonderful energy. But the problem is, is not everyone is going to be open for it. Like, I don't know how many times before we had digital pictures where I would have to go to a store to develop the pictures of the skulls. You know, the people looking at my pictures would go, are you crazy? What are you doing with these skulls? That's insane. So the, if a person is going to have a healing, they have to, in general, be open to it. They can block that healing. So that's why you can't have, like, you know, every person that's going to see a crystal skull is going to get a healing or feel energy or whatever. Um, it's difficult to say because it depends upon where they're at and how open are they and so on. But I can tell you there are enough people who are having this kind of experience that there has to be some form of vibrational frequencies and energy, and especially 
know, if they're being healed of illnesses that are incurable, which some people told Anna Mitchell Hedges after seeing the Mitchell Hedges go, they had this disease the doctors gave up on, and all of a sudden it, it, it's gone. Well, why aren't the scientists studying these skulls more and understanding their energy? Now, there is a device that we worked with with the crystal skulls that may give us some idea about the frequencies of energy that they emanate, and it's called a meridian stress test system, which I don't know if it's legal here for doctors in America to, Europe, to use it for diagnosis, but it is in Europe. And what a meridian stress test system is, is it's a device, it's usually connected to a computer, and it has an electrode which the practitioner will touch the meridians on the hands and the feet, which they know are connected to different aspects of our body, our emotions, our aura, our energy. And they can do a measurement on these meridians to see, you know, what's going on with the person. And it's extremely accurate because your body's not going to lie, you know, how it's doing, if it's doing well, if it has an illness or whatever. This device will show it. And this device also has... And I don't remember what they call it, but it's kind of like a metallic plate where, let's say somebody has is showing a certain illness, they will put like homeopathic remedies or holistic remedies uh, on the plate to see which one would actually help the person. So we did, developed an experiment where we blindfolded the persons. Bill Holman is the one who suggested to blindfold people, and he was right, because we don't want people to know what they're being tested with. Right. And we we did three tests. We did a test with nothing, which is, um, you know, the, what you compare it to, you know, where's the person right now? Where do they have problems? Where are they good? Then we tested them with a piece of quartz, the same type of quartz as the crystal skull, and then we tested them with the crystal skull. And what we found is, I think it was like over 90%, uh, people, when they got tested with the crystal skull, the readings were the same or better. The most interesting test that I had is I had a test with uh, people who claimed to be spiritual healers. And so I wanted to see, you know, could the energy of the skull make a difference for these people who are already channeling these amazing energies? And I think there was only one person who the skull had no effect upon. I mean, they must have been so balanced that nothing else is going to help them. But the other healers all saw some improvement in their readings after being exposed to the crystal skull. So that was showing me at least, as the human being was, you know, basically we were measuring through the person, that the person would have some effect with crystal skulls. And one other test we did is we took a crystal skull like Portal de Luz that's already awakened and activated and has energies, um, and we tested a person with a new crystal skull made that had never been worked with, never been used, and we noticed that after those skulls were put next to Portal de Luz, then all of a sudden they awaken and they started to have more of an effect on the person than before, as if there was like energies being transmitted from the activated skull to these new skulls to awaken it. Another experience to show that is when I had a chance to see the British Museum crystal skull, which actually was out in the public before the Mitchell Hedges crystal skull, because it was out it was um, in the British Museum from, I'm trying to remember, I think it was the 1897, 1898. So anyway, I went to, to London and um, had a chance to go to the British Museum, 
had the crystal skull in the corner, and the energy in that corner was horrific. It was very terrible. So what I did is I had Portal to lose with me, and I just went, you know, like around the glass case it was in, and I noticed that Portal de Luz, who normally is a light shade of gray, smoky, can be anywhere from gray to black, it was a light shade of gray, it became an ugly shade of gray. It was as if he was taking the energies, the bad energies that this girl was uh, being uh, affected with. And then I had four little small skulls with me, and don't tell anybody I told you th this part, because I almost got thrown out of the museum, but the little <laughs> skulls, were telling me, we want you to put us in the corners on the top of the glass case so we can also, you know, share an energy with our, our sister. They were feeling like a feminine energy. Crystal skulls can have masculine or feminine energy, or some of them can have both. So, you know, there was a, a woman in there who was a guard, and so I said, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble if I do what you say, but okay, I never argue with you when you make a suggestion to me. So I put them in the four corners, and they stayed there for about 20 or 30 seconds before they started yelling at me to take it off and I didn't I didn't get arrested or anything but at least we accomplished what we came there to do so you know here is what I would say at least an old skull uh, that the new skull was uh, helping and the same thing too there was another time before they had put the British skull uh, on display where it was um, you know just uh, they were keeping it out of display because too many weird things were going on around it, is what I heard. But one time we went to the uh, Museum of Mankind, which had the crystal skull at that time, and one of the custodians knew that I was involved with crystal skull, so he brought it out in a glass case, a low glass case, lifted the lid, and I was able to touch the skull. And again, I did a similar thing. I had my right hand on the British skull, my left hand on Portal de Luz, and I could feel energy going back and forth, and it just felt like you know, Portal de Luz was trying to help uh, reactivate the skull. And then I had a friend who saw it a week later and said she got a tremendous healing. So whether what we were doing helped to bring back the healing ability of the skull or not, I don't know. But these are examples of experiences, you know, not only that I'm having, but other people are having related to, you know, how they're affected by the energy. So this would be one common point. There are these energies around the skulls, and we have some different devices, you know, like the Luckier antenna I mentioned or the Meridian stress system or Carillion cameras also we've used where we can see that uh, people are being affected energetically by these skulls. All right, so we've got a, a, a debate going on in one of our chat rooms here that I just want you to help us clear up a little bit. Are there are are there a number of what we would call maybe and this might be a poor choice of words, but I think you'll understand the question. Are there a, a number of uh, maybe original crystal skulls, and then a series of I'll use the word replicas, but I don't think that's right based on what you've already said. But uh, the modern skulls that are being made are they any less uh, legitimate than than the older ones that were found? So. I guess the question is, are there a, a, a set of original crystal skulls and then the ones that came after that? Well, there are legends by the indigenous people that say there was an original set of 13. 13. 13. So the Sci-Fi Channel, when the Indiana Jones film came out in 2008, said, are any of the original 13 crystal skulls out? And I think they, they talked about it, me, they talked about the British crystal skull, they talked about the Mitchell Hedges skull and a couple other skulls. So I think they came up with eight 
and we're still looking for five. But the indigenous people say either there was an original set of 13 or multiple sets of 13. Now, the number 13 is very important because it shows up in a lot of different things. In Judaism, you have the Levites, the priests, and the 12 tribes of Israel. In Christianity, you have Christ and the 12 apostles, or in the book, He Walked in the Americas, which is a Christ being walking the Americas, meeting all these different tribes, he would select 12 of their people and teach them. Uh, so um, according to the theories, and especially in our first book, Mystery of the Crystal Skulls Revealed, um, I think Mr. Nasserino talked about this, about one in the center surrounded by 12. Another contributor, Michael Kent, said that um, in Atlantis they had 13 skulls one in the center surrounded by 12. Um, there was a Native American woman, I can't remember her name, who wrote a book that said she had a legend that it was like in, um, in, a, in a lodge where there would be one skull in the center surrounded by 12 and the light from the sun would come in and it would be displayed on the wall. Some, some uh, images through the skull was displayed on the walls of this lodge. In our solar system, they're saying that there could be 12 planets around the sun, one in front of Mercury, which we cannot see, and two behind Pluto. And it depends upon if you call Pluto a planet or not. They keep changing their mind. Yeah, they do. <laughs> so there could be 12 planets also. Um, and then I think the Mayans talk about 52 skulls, four sets of 13, of which they have one. Now the next question is... Um, so are the new skulls of any value compared to these older ones who might have tremendous energy, you know, especially if they're absorbing all the frequencies of energy around them for thousands and thousands of years versus the new ones being made? And what people will do is say all these new ones are fake. Like they call the British crystal skull a fake. Some people even call the Mitchell Hedges skull a fake. They said, oh, a carver in Eder Oberstein in Germany carved it in the 1800s. So there's nothing special about it. But here's what I would say to this question. Every crystal skull has the potential to help and assist other people. It depends upon, you know, not necessarily that it's old versus new. It depends who is the guardian, how is it being used. I'll give you an example of this. I'm not going to tell you the name of the Mayan elder that this happened to with me, because I don't wish to embarrass him. Okay. He's very well respected. and. And his group of Mayans are very knowledgeable about crystal skulls and probably are guarding crystal skulls. But anyway, when I was living in Holland, I heard, and I had a fever, and I still I felt I have to go, no matter what, um, that at a, a movie theater, one of the well-known Mayan elders was coming to talk about the Mayan prophecy, because this was back in, um, I guess, 2004 or so. And so, you know, we still had eight years to go before the prophecy happened. Right. And um, so I had Portal Deleuze with me, and Portal Deleuze calls me Dad. And he said, Dad, when that elder comes out, I want you to put me on this table. In Holland, I don't know, it's not like here in the U.S. In their theaters, they have like a, an area with tables where you can sit down and talk to each other, you know, like a little kitchen area or whatever. So he said, just put me on the table and don't say anything to the elder. Let, just let him approach me, and then we'll see what happens. So, you 
you know, I followed what he said. So the Mayan elder came out and so on, and I knew that he was very familiar with crystal skulls because uh, he was written about in a book uh, by Morton and Thomas, which um, has sold far more copies than any uh, all of my books combined have ever sold because all of mine are self-published. I never found a major publisher in America or England. In Holland, Poland, and Hungary, I have publishers, but not in the bigger uh, sections. And he looked at the skull, and then he had an interpreter, because you know, I speak some Spanish, but it's not that good. And so <clears throat> this uh, woman was our interpreter, and he's looking at the skull, and he's saying, ah, this is one of ours, because... See, what you have to understand when the Spanish came to the Americas, what did they do? They stole everything. Yeah. And they stole crystal skulls. I remember a friend that lived in Florida showed me an article where they found a Spanish galleon off the coast of Florida, and it had two crystal skulls uh, in a trunk uh, in that ship. So the Spanish were stealing everything. So the indigenous people quickly looked at, we have to protect our sacred tools. So anyway... Um, but they know that that some of their skulls have been taken, and they want them back because they know that modern people don't understand how to work with crystal skulls in the right ceremonies like they do. So anyway, he looked at the skull, and, he, and the interpreter says to me, um, so the Mayan elder is saying this is one of their skulls, and you need to give it back to them. Now, I knew for a fact, because I met the carver who created Portal de Luz in Brazil, that this was not what we would call an ancient skull. Right. or a very, very old or an old skull. And so I tried explaining this to the mine elders, and he he just wasn't being convinced. Now, why would he say that about this crystal skull? Because he was feeling the energy of the crystal skull, and the energy of Portal de Luz uh, could have been enhanced tremendously because it had been in the presence of several of these old skulls. I had taken it to Stonehenge, and different sacred places, crop circles, meditations for world peace, sessions with many people. So all of these things will bring out the energy of the crystal skull, and it also depends upon what is the consciousness that is working through the skull. Also, many factors. So he was absolutely convinced it was you know, one of their skulls that originated in uh, the Mayan land. So what I had to do... Uh, and in, in, in order to honor and not disrespect this elder, I called him grandfather, is I brought out another skull I had, which we call Geronimo Golden Eagle Eye, which is our indigenous skull. It has indigenous energy, made by the same carver in Brazil, and then he was quiet. So I, I think what he learned through me is that there are people who are not indigenous who know about crystal skulls, and sometimes you have to listen to what they have to say also, and that the only way we're going to fully understand about the crystal skulls, if we talk to each other, share our experiences and insights, and then we start to see, okay, here's what's really going on around this. Tonight we're talking about the crystal skulls, or crystal skulls in general, with crystal skull, skull explorer Joshua Shapiro, author of some books related to the topic, including Journeys of the Crystal Skull Explorers. Joshua, we've talked a lot about the skulls and their properties, but what do they mean um, in total when it comes to the future of humanity? How important are they? Uh, well, I think that the 
the main importance of the crystal skulls, besides acting as a catalyst to awaken people to their special gifts or to, you know, having more contact with their spirit or soul or whatever you want to call it, is that I think I'm going to go with one of the novels that I've written to show the potential of what could happen, uh, especially around if there is this original set of 13. So there's... um, A story I've written called Crystal Skull Chronicles, which is in book form, but it hasn't been released yet, and it also has a script version of it, because I was hoping to make it into a movie. And basically what this shows is um, people are looking for a specific crystal skull in Guatemala, which they find, but then somehow they're teleported to Alto Paraíso in Brazil, which I've been to. It's a very amazing place. He has some powerful energies. Uh, Usually when people go there, they don't want to leave. They feel so good. Uh, And they claim that they can see a light emanating from that area because there's crystals under the ground. They say UFOs land at a a little airport area that they have there. So it's very interesting. So I just felt inspired to put this. So my story, eventually what happens towards the end is the 13 crystal skulls have been scattered all over the world to protect them. And there's like three different indigenous cultures who have been guarding them. They all come together at this point. And once they they get together, their collective energy, the way I envisioned it was, there was like this very brilliant uh, pillar of light that emanates like in a circle, like we mentioned before, one in the center surrounded by 12 energy beam emanates from this circle. It goes high up into the air and then just totally covers the planet. And all of a sudden, uh, what, like what Ken Keyes wrote in The Hundredth Monkey, the hundredth monkey effect happens with the energies being broadcast by these skulls. And everybody on the planet instantly goes into love and peace and harmony. You know, it's like uh, this energy is the catalyst that brings them. Now, whether this, in fact, is going to happen or not, it just seems to be symbolic to me that the energies that are being broad by, broadcast by the skulls, um, you know, as people are doing their own personal meditation, or we've actually had on the 13th of every day for I don't know how many years we did this, I think for like eight or nine years we did this, uh, we would have crystal skull guardians all over the world do a meditation, not at the same time everywhere, but the same hour, the 13th hour of the day. 1 p.m., we would all do like about a 13 to 15-minute meditation focusing on world peace, recognizing that when the same people did it, it would be a geometric multiple of the power of the vision of it. So I think that the crystal skulls have inherent within them, whether they're new skulls or very old skulls, uh, to uh, bring people together and to uh, send out this very powerful energy or peace and harmony that they've actually, you know, recorded over thousands and thousands of years, especially with the older ones. Um, And the idea for the meditation actually came when I was interviewed by Yuri Geller, uh, who everybody calls the Spoonbender. And when I first saw him and did an interview with him, he was holding Portal de Luz during the whole interview. I thought that was very interesting yeah. that he wanted to hold the skull because he's very interested in crystals. And then before we left, he bent the spoon for us. 
but he had to be near metal to do it, like we had to go by the elevator. And then he invited me on his show, his radio show. So he, I was in Colorado at the time, and he was in England. And I, I recall, and this is this has happened with Portal de Luz uh, before, where as we're talking about crystal skulls, his brother-in-law came into the room and said, Yuri, Yuri, the... There were two broadcasts. There was the Internet broadcast of it and the actual radio broadcast. The Internet broadcast shut down as soon as we started talking about crystal skulls. So it was kind of interesting. But anyway, Yuri asked me this kind of similar question like you. He said, well, how could the crystal skulls help us to create world peace? And immediately I start thinking about, well, what if we had people start to meditate with them? What if they were meditating with them in ceremony? at sacred sites, to reactivate sacred sites in the planet and help build up the grid. So they become a tool to work with, you know, their guardians or with humans in ceremony and meditation to send out a very powerful, positive, loving energy to the planet. So this is why I think they're they're so important. And, you know, up until about the, the 1980s, you know, there wasn't very much interest in crystal skulls. There weren't that many that were known. And all of a sudden, carvers started to want to carve them, and more started to be found. So, you know, to me, logically, there's got to be some higher purpose for this. Why would all of a sudden all of these skulls start coming out and be be made? There must be a higher purpose to it. You this is, go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, no. no Finish what it. you're saying. No, that was it. Go ahead. Uh, you, you touched on this earlier, uh, but what is the connection between the skulls Particularly, uh, the the uh, what we'd consider the uh, older ones, the the ones that have come from antiquity, uh, and ET extraterrestrials, or even UFO phenomena. Well, as I said, for the indigenous people, they talk about gifts of the gods, like the Mayans. They talk about the grandfathers and grandmothers of the Pleiades, and that this somehow was connected with their crystal skulls. So, in in my uh, my view, it would make perfect sense that, you know, uh, more advanced beings would look at humanity and say, you know, our brothers and sisters down here, they're really struggling. Is there something that we could offer them, a tool perhaps, that, you know, could give them um, a better chance to link into the higher aspect of themselves? Because, you know, uh, it doesn't matter whether whatever planet you're from or whatever, you still have a soul inside of yourself. You're still a divine child of God. And, you know, different planets are going to have different level of spiritual evolution. So this is one of the, one of the factors. Now, another thing that comes up uh, that was very interesting is when they started to work with crystal skulls and do research, they noticed, like with the Mitchell-Hedges skull, I think in particular, they would start exposing the crystal skull to music and sound and color and meditating with people, and holographic images would show up inside of them. And the Mitchell Hedges skull was showing, um, you know, spacecraft and extraterrestrial. So it was showing that it had possibly recorded this activity going on around it. Um, so, and then another experience I had is. Um, there was a mold made of the Mitchell-Hedges skull by Frank Dorland in order to better study the skull. And then when he passed away, I forget the name of the gentleman, but he's written all kinds of books and 
on Atlantis, and he wrote something on the Mitchell Hedges skull too, I believe, where he actually gave this mold to a forensic detective in New York, and he made a face that looked like a, a, a young Mayan priestess face or Mesoamerican face. Um, so he let me have that crystal skull um, for a period of time, and so I was invited when I had it to Brazil, and I took it with me to Brazil. And what I'm thinking about is I was doing, I was invited by a UFO group. Well, I wasn't invited. They, they had a meeting, and the people I knew in Brazil knew the group, and so, you know, it sounded interesting. So I went, and I remember I was sitting at a table with this young lady, and we had the mold of the Mitchell Hedges go between us, and I got a vision very clearly that on board the spacecraft, they have their own crystal skulls, which were communicating with the crystal skulls down here on the on the Earth. So, um, so these are some of the things that have come up that show a possible connection with ETs. And uh, I think there's other people too who have said with other skulls they've seen, you know, holographic images of uh, spacecraft or uh, extraterrestrial or whatever inside of skulls. So it just makes sense to me they would be a gift given to humanity and that possibly the very, very old or original skulls could have come through the galactics um, or they could have taught uh, Atlanteans how to make their own skulls, given them te advanced technologies to do it. So in my mind, you know, after looking at all the crystal skulls I've seen and people I've talked to and so on, um, there seems to be this extraterrestrial connection with crystal skulls to, to understand that. I mean, maybe the extraterrestrials are using the crystal skulls as a form of video camera where, you know, they have to respect free will. Obviously, they're not walking amongst us yet, although people are saying disclosure is, is not too far away. Um, what is a way for them to, you know, have their crystal skull speaking to ours to view what's going on down here without causing any fear or panic. You have uh, quite a collection of these skulls, right? Did you say you had 30 of them? Yeah, we have about 30 crystal skulls ourselves. How do you how do you keep them? Do you keep on, them on display? Do you commune with them? How does that work? Well, since the lockdown, they're pretty upset because we haven't been able to do very much with them. So they're just kind of sitting in their cases or... We have um, uh, a place where we have them not too far from where I have my computer, where I do our work. Um, even when we do our private sessions with people, you know, where people can sit with us and they get a combination of the energy from the crystal skulls that we have, plus an intuitive reading from either my wife Katrina or myself, uh, we don't always bring them all. Um, what I have found is that if there's new crystal skulls that come up, um, it's like the other ones are excited, like, oh, a new brother, a new sister, and then eventually the frequency of energy is incorporated into the group and everything is harmonious. This is what many people have told us where, you know, we do a public talk or we do the sessions and people see the skulls. They feel a very calm, peaceful energy around all of them. Um, so, but now here's the thing for me, whereas in my early days, it was important to have the skull physically close to me, that doesn't make any difference anymore. In other words, if 
it's uh, Mitchell Head's skull or me or the British Crystal Skull or some of the other ones I've seen or some of our personal ones, I just think about them and I feel like I'm connected and I have communication or I can feel their energy or whatever. So um, for every person, it's a unique experience and it's different. And they're going to communicate with that individual depending upon, you know, what are the spiritual gifts they, they use. I hear them and I feel them, but some people can actually, you know, hear the voice outside of themselves separately, like Katrina does that, or she may see a, a spirit connected to the skull, you know, um, and uh, sometimes you just know things. So it's kind of different, but there isn't really anything special we do now, um, you know, for the the interviews I do where they have video, well, Portal Luz will come out, and I'll show him as an example of one. But um, we haven't really been working with them that much. Is there? You mentioned uh, in a couple instances where um, the 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 skulls, particularly when you were talking about the original thirteen, would be arranged with twelve in a circle and one in the center. Uh, is there a difference in the energy if you were to take your skulls, your 30, and arrange them in, whether it's a circle or some other formation, do you get a, a different uh, vibration, different frequency, different energy from them if you do that? Yes, absolutely. And they'll tell us which ones want to participate and what, you know, how to uh, set them up. So, yes, it, it will be a different energy. And it also depends on the place, too, where you do it. I mean, if we went into a sacred site um, or crop circle or something like that, and their energy is going to be very different, and maybe the way that we set them up will be different. So it it just depends. The other thing is, is I think their frequency changes over time. So in other words, it's not like, you know, you have this crystal skull and it has an energy and it's the same energy all the time. It changes over time because it's having contact with people, it's being brought to different places, it's meeting other skulls, so their energy can shift and change over time as well. Do you encourage people that show an interest in this to find their own crystal skulls to own or be a guardian of one or more? Uh, Yes, if they feel an affinity for it, um, I would encourage them to do so like, for example, right now we're working with our friends in Canada. So for your listeners, if any of them feel like, you know, it sounds great what Joshua's talking about, I'd love to have my own skull, I've made an arrangement with them for a week, for the next week where they can get a discount, and these guys have a large, large selection. So usually when there's a large selection and somebody has an interest and they look, there's going to be one or two that they're going to feel called to or they're going to resonate with. So um, so that's what I suggest. I mean, sometimes people say, well, can you pick for me? I let Katrina do it because she's better than I am intuitively. But generally, I encourage people, go with the ones that you resonate with. because, And even if you just start with the small one, it doesn't really matter. Even if that's a practice go, it gets you accustomed to, to working with one and being around it and what you should do. And then maybe the real skull will come after that. The key is it's it's like a new adventure. It's unpredictable. Um, and the only thing I would tell your listeners is I would give them a warning. If, you don't, if you're totally happy with the way your life is right now, then I don't suggest you get one because it's going to change you. It, new things will start happening. 
Is it always for the better, Joshua, or can it be? Can there be some bad energy involved here? Well, like I said, there were some crystal skulls that were around man's inhumanity to man, and they picked up those frequencies, and that can be be harmful. But as far as um, you know, the new ones that uh, people are making and so on, they're pretty much vacant energy. So it's up to the person to start to work with it. Now, there is something that can happen, which some people might say, oh, this is negative, but it's part of the healing process. It's where a person sometimes will be in the presence of a skull. They'll start getting sick because what's happening is the skull is trying to release or take out of the person, you know, some inharmonious energy. So they start feeling sick, but then once they release it, they feel a lot better. So, you know, it's kind of what I would call a death and a rebirth. It's where you're releasing the old in order to be in touch with more harmonious new frequencies. Joshua, so, yeah, we're going to run out of time here. Uh, I, one thing that I failed to mention in the beginning of the program is that you uh, made a very generous offer to offer uh, some a couple of e-books to some listeners. Uh, how were you going to do that? How did you want to offer that? Okay, so we have three e-books that I've been offering on all these interviews I've been doing. One is our 100-page free Crystal Skull e-book. There's another one that talks about... Um, that we may be in a computer simulation. And the last one is when I was in Brazil, my future self in this lifetime channeled a message to me because I believe there really is no time and space, and his name is Argus. So if anybody's curious what 2037 to 2040 looks like, that's what he was talking about. So if anyone would like to get those uh, free ebooks, all they need to do is send me an email at crystalskullexplorers at gmail.com. And I will attach it to an email, and I'll send it right back to them. So I think these three books offer information that might be helpful for today. And also in the message from Argus, too, I do talk about um, Project Looking Glass, which I believe confirms the vision that Argus talks about, about a positive future. Some people may say, it's not possible. Look at all the the madness going on. They're going to vaccinate us and all that. None of that's going to be happening. And I'm hearing more and more through YouTube videos from medical doctors that the coronavirus, it's, it's a big hoax. They let it out, and it, it's just not affecting people like they say that it is. So uh, we all knew something like this was going to happen for a major, major change, and I only see positive things happening. So uh, perhaps this last book may enlighten people with a different viewpoint about what the future may look like. So, so those are available if a person sends me an email. So just to be clear, it's just send you an email at crystalskullexplorers at gmail.com. Is that what you said? Yes, that's correct. And you will send them all three of those? All three of them. That's Absolutely. Very, very generous of you and very, very kind. Um, to kind of wrap this up, Joshua, um, what's, the, what's the best advice you can give somebody who has an interest in learning more about what you've spoken here tonight about? I think the key is is to be spontaneous. In other words, you may have a plan of going through your spiritual growth or working with sacred tools or crystal skulls, but don't try to figure it out. Just be spontaneous. Go day by day. See where it takes you. Look at it as a new adventure. And if it's something that resonates for you, all kinds of doors will just open up. So it's just to have an open uh, attitude to it. And we all have 
a connection to our soul and, and our spirit, and we're going to get insights and suggestions, and they might sound crazy. You just have to learn to try to follow it and see, see where it takes you. The vibration of Mother Earth is getting higher and higher these days, and as it gets higher and higher, more and more of us will start using our spiritual gifts. It will come very simple. And in the future of Arjas, you know, it's total peace at that time, and we're all working with our gifts and all of these things is a natural part of, of life on Earth. So that's, I think, where we're headed. Terrific. Joshua, thank you so much for spending the time with us tonight and sharing your message and sharing your experiences with us. Fascinating stuff. And I hope you'll agree to come back at some point. Yes, absolutely. Anytime you'd like, J.P. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.